Yo. Yo, man. What's good? Nothing much. Chilling. Ready to get going. Yeah, man. So we back at it like a crack at it. You know what I'm saying? Um, All we day. Some, is, we got some exciting news for episode two. You know, episode episode one went pretty well. Um, episode deuce deuce. <laughs> exactly. Deuce deuce. Um, you know, what, 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 I don't know what else to say, man. I, I'm, I'm excited about episode one. I'm excited about what we got coming up. You know, deuce. But, um, you know, you got some options and uh, creative ways to get more interactive, man. Tell me what you got. All right. So through the Anchor app, you can call in a video request. And I even believe you can send us in a text message request. Anything you might want to know about us, why we're doing what we're doing. Um, If there's any topics you want us to touch on. Just go ahead on Anchor, send that request. Um, if there's other ways you think would be better for us to get content to you guys, whether it be um, loading these videos up to YouTube, extracting the file, putting it on YouTube, anything like that, maybe going on Podcast One, anything you think we could do, just reach out to more people, let us know. Also, feel free to contact us on any kind of social media. Um you can find me on Instagram as jmay51. That's J-M-A-Y-5-1. And I am also on Tumblr as he who laughs last. Um, just started that. Going to be doing some movie reviews and some comic book reviews up there and dropping some drawings. So anything you want to hit me up about, just go ahead and let me know. Uh, how can the people reach you? Yeah, so my Instagram is game underscore vi, which is six. Um, people think it's four sometimes, but no. Nah, <laughs> and it's been, like, the funny thing is, man, it's been game six. That's by my Instagram uh, handle since sophomore year, man. Like it has because I remember it. Yeah, so it ain't this ain't random, man. This has always been a a, a thought and idea. I'm glad it's been coming to fruition so far. Um, and for people who don't know, game six. It's a lifestyle. I put it in the caption when I posted the podcast. Um, but it's a lifestyle. It's a moment. Um, you know, it's everything. It's, it's being clutch. And, and we'll, we'll get into more of that later. But um, speaking of clutchness, man. <laughs> speaking clutch, of clutch. <laughs> so, um, obviously, you know, most people watch the Super Bowl that happened this past Sunday. But, you know, what were some of your takeaways from that that crazy game, man? So my takeaway from that crazy game, uh, well, we'll kind of get into some of it with the Malcolm because we're going to discuss Malcolm Butler benching later. So we'll kind of get yeah. into some of it with that, which I don't really want to discuss. But I think um, both coaches came out and really did some unorthodox things. Um, more than anything, I think that the New England defense just fell flat on its face. I think that's yeah. the over – riding thing you know if you look at it Philly's defense didn't play well as a whole either because even though he lost and he did fumble at the end Tom Brady did throw for 500 yards like just a lot of yards bro wow 500 yards and I think they rushed I want to say just north of 100 maybe 119 107 somewhere along those lines um so but they played well in particular areas um think much more pressure got to Brady than Foles, which definitely had an impact early on. And I just – but the biggest takeaway I'd say – well, the biggest two would be Nick Foles just standing up 
putting his chest out and said, damn it, this is my game. Like, for real. <laughs> for real. He, he showed all that taco meat, boy. He was ready. Yeah, and he, then uh, I think Doug Peterson did the same thing, too. He came up in there and said, you are not going to. He came in there and said, we are not going to lose because we're scared to play. And they came in. I think they came in and they played inspired football from start to finish. Yeah, I guess we could thank Meek Mill for that one. But um, yeah, free Meek, <laughs> free Meek. But um, um, the crazy thing is, man, they did the exact opposite of what the Jaguars did, man. Like they came out there and the Jaguars was talking cash money, and they came out playing well. But then in that second half, because they had a double digit lead, they started playing scared. They got a little lemon booty, and they was getting a little nervous. They let that Patriot, you know, mythos get to them, and they started doing stupid stuff. Whereas, and, and started protecting their quarterback, who's this season was, I guess, average, but usually is pretty scrubbish. But um, the, you know, the, the Eagles were a backup quarterback, you know, haven't been to the Super Bowl in 13 years or something crazy like that. And when they I did, they went like 05, 06, and they lost yeah. to the Patriots. Yeah, they lost to the page. I remember watching that. I was like actually one of the first Bulls that I actually watched too, which is crazy. But um too actually. Yeah, so I remember watching that one, but um and I remember rooting against the Patriots. I don't remember why. I think I I was at a uh, my brother's birthday is on the sixth, so um I think this is what happened to be on his birthday. And for well, some reason huh? At the time there was no reason not to like the T O Yeah, uh, exactly. T O McNabb like dude. Yeah, and it was a bunch of reasons not to like the Patriots. They had one Super Bowls already, and it was just like, ah, whatever. They're boring. And I, the Spy Gate might have just came out. Uh, you, yeah, you don't want to see. Yeah, it was around that time. It was around that time because it was. It definitely happened the Super Bowl before that. It was like against the Rams or something. But um, yeah, with, in regards to the game, man, I thought the game was pretty dope. Uh, I didn't really do anything spectacular. I didn't go to like a party or nothing like that. I wanted to chill and you know be at home but um the game was dope and the fact that I, it was high scoring a lot of action um and it, for almost me, looked like a pro bowl didn't it exactly but the thing with tom brady's passing yards that i nobody seems to be mentioning is that like he got so many passing yards because they were down most of the game you know what I'm saying? right and they don't they don't have much of a running game to talk about in the first place so they auto automatically their short passing game is their running game um so they that's how they do that so that's how he accumulated so many yards, which is still impressive. Don't get me wrong. But, I mean, if he could throw for – I don't know how many yards he threw against the, the Jaguars, which is the top-rated passing defense this season and one of the best in recent memory. Um, I knew he was going to light up the Eagles. My question was, was he going to get sacked a lot? Was he going to get pressured? You know, was it, were they going to be able to first force uh, turnovers, which they didn't until the end, which was big? Um and, you know, I, I think I mentioned it on the last show, man. As a Giants fan, I was a little bit uh in a uh, rock and a hard place, man. I, I hate the Patriots, but I hate some of the Eagles fans that I know, too. And I wound up rooting for the Eagles, Eagles just because I was just sick and tired of the Brady and the Patriots. But <laughs> the funny thing is, I don't I don't know if you – have you watched the – I ain't even mentioned this. Did you watch the, like, the Two Bills documentary on ESPN? Did not watch it. So, basically, it was like Bill Parcells and Bill Belichick and talking about how they won championships with the Giants, with Parcells as the head coach, Belichick as the assistant or the, the defensive coordinator. Then they both went to the Patriots, then they both went to the Jets. Like, it was crazy. But wherever Parcells went, Belichick followed, and they usually won, um, which is 
like crazy. But there's a lot of other backstory to it. But it for some reason made me like Belichick more, especially since I'm a Giants fan and I, you know, remembering the years where they won or whatever, even though I wasn't alive. But um, then they, uh, you know, I've seen clips of Tom Brady in this documentary that he got going on, like Tom Brady versus uh, Time, Father Time, or something crazy like that. He just being mad cocky, but the documentary itself is funny. First of all, <laughs> so oh that little pissing. Uh, yeah, that was oh, that was crazy. I forgot all about that. I ain't even, yeah, I wasn't even crazy. talking about that. I was talking about the clip of him kissing his son on the lips. For oh like, yeah, a, a little, a couple seconds, seconds, uh, seconds, a little longer than I would feel comfortable with. But that's a whole other thing. <laughs> I, I just thought that was funny that people was talking about that. But it was a clip, you know, that they re brought up from I think last year's Super Bowl when he was at the media day and Trent Dilfer's son was like, you know, you know, who's your hero? And he was, he started talking about his dad. And he said, before he could even get it out, he started crying. And for some reason, I was like, oh, I can't hate that guy. I can't hate that guy. <laughs> He's such a cool dude, man. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? So I felt kind of bad. But then I was like, no, I still hate him. <laughs> so <laughs> I was low-key happy that they lost. Because I was like, man, you got five. You'll be all right. But um, I did hear, I didn't see, but I did hear that he didn't walk off the field shaking hands. Um, which is interesting because people give flack to he might have wanted to take this, like, because this would have been the perfect storm for him to walk off into the sunset, even though the Patriots gave up any chance they had to have anybody replace him next year. This would have been the mm-hmm. perfect storm for him to walk off just one last year and like one up the commissioner whenever he got the trophy, you know, pretty much because of the deflate gate thing. Right. Then his documentary and setting up for his TB12 lifestyle motivational kind of thing he'll be doing later with the documentary and like ending with that walking off into the sunset I think that's kind of how he wanted it to go but even if that's not the case I mean like have you looked up how he stays in shape uh yeah I've heard some weird stuff about him in like What's the like avocado ice cream or some (laughs) yeah that's how he cheats he has a Extra almond at night if you don't feel good or <laughs> you know, stuff like that. And, and he, like, drink, he drinks his own sweat and stuff. Like it, it's weird stuff. Oh, but, that's just nasty. Yeah, that. Uh, and, and the thing is, that guy that he Guerrero, the guy that he works with, that he swears by, is like low key might be like a fake doctor, but hey, it's working. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's working for him because Julian Edelman, who was on the TV Twelve Method got hurt before the season started and he was supposed to be on it and that's like the exact opposite of how it's supposed to work it's like supposed to prevent injuries but apparently people kind of defensive players when they sack him they kind of feel what Tom Brady is talking about I forgot who said it but he said he went to hit him he didn't sack him but he hit him and he said his body got like not kind of like reacted like a pillow like he wasn't. He kind of relaxed his body so that he didn't get as injured as much. If that means you know, or hurt as much. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So uh-huh. he, it makes he sense. He was like, "It's something to it," but I don't know, man. That that the whole thing was funny. Um, the game yeah, was funny. Yeah, but my point with bringing that up was that's how that's how dedicated and obsessed he is with being great. So I could see that being why he didn't walk off shaking hands either, because you know MJ, Kobe, guys like that that are super obsessed, like they're. You know, similar things. So I could see that being why he didn't want to shake hands. Listen, I'm, I, I'm not the type to kill somebody for doing that. I'm not. Me either. The media, 
when when Cam Newton lost in 2015, and you know he walked off or did whatever, and he wasn't like the most happiest person in the world after you know they lost. He he was getting killed for that, and and like there's like, a difference. Bro, like people, people, uh, people nah, it's man, Brady ain't that bad because he gets first down from from second and six. <laughs> it's a different. Wait, what? <laughs> Brady's not dabbing whenever he gets a first down. Conversion. Oh boy, it's a big difference. I mean, like, like if you're gonna be that way whenever you lose, that you need to be that way, kind of when you win and vice versa. Nah, nah. Man, like, um, man, yeah, like you just got the. It's like you can't flip the switch like that to me. I, I get where you're coming from, and I can I, I see that angle as far as like if you're gonna be all doing the extra and celebrating when you're winning, like you know you got to be respectful and stuff when you lose. I get that, and I'm not gonna like I said I didn't certain things that Cam did or has done or some other players have done that I'm not going to defend, but at the same time Tom Brady when he was coming back and he was bumping heads with uh, Gronkowski in the end zone, it's the same thing whether it was the Second well, there's a difference between bumping heads in the end zone and bumping heads on. No, 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 no. If you celebrate, my point is Tom Brady celebrates and he's pumped up, excited up, and he's talking crazy when he's up, when he's winning, because he, talk, he talks trash. Don't get it twisted. Um, he may not be dabbing, but he, he talks trash. Um, and the Patriots are low-key cocky in the, the way they did, that they do things. Because um, the simple fact they was doing a real route with Tom Brady is disrespectful in itself, honestly. And then they went for it on fourth and five. <laughs> they, then they went for it on fourth and five. That same no, 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 no. And and the same thing you saying about Cam Dabbin. If Tom Brady gonna have um, documentaries out about himself before the Super Bowl, talking about him versus Tom and Father Tom and how he how he fighting against it. But then when he lose, he don't want to say nobody. Hit. Nah, 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 nah. Nah, I'm not with it. And then you, then your wife over here talking about, oh baby, you know, talking to the kids. Oh, you know, we we gotta let somebody else win. I'm like what? You let him? <laughs> Come on. Well, man. she kind of don't want him to play, no way. Exactly. But that was crazy. So I get where you're coming from with that, but nah, not not with nah, because I'm tired of people getting um, what's the word I'm looking for? Passes or excuses. Now, like I said, certain things with Cam, yeah, I don't, I can see why people don't like the showboating. Or front running, I think is the word that I'm looking for. Like, especially. I mean, like, I ain't got no problem with it. I like it. It's fun, but you can't do that and then be like acting like somebody stole your bike whenever you lose. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, people don't like that he all, you know, it's like two different, completely different ends of the, the spectrum. But, that's like I've seen games where guys have lit him up and he's been wrongfully hit, but they won and he has nothing to say about it. Yeah. Nothing the same. But if they lose, it's an issue. Yeah, yeah. So it's, a, it's a, definitely some points to it, but just the o- overall, I and I, because like I said, people, some people have mentioned it, because like I said, that's how I heard about it. But there definitely wasn't no a lot of national coverage. There wasn't a whole bunch of topics on it, like it would have been if it was somebody else, especially like the Cam Newton order or any other black quarterback for that matter. But. Um, even besides all that, man, uh, you you mentioned it a little bit with the whole Malcolm Butler thing. Um, like, what was your thoughts on that, man? My thoughts, um, well, be honest with you, it, like I did want to touch on it because it's so interesting. But at this point, until more comes out, which a little bit more came out recently, but it's just mere speculation. 
Like, because the Eagles themselves said they could see why he was benched. Um, <laughs> what? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, like, they said after reviewing film that they could see it. And at first, it makes sense if they could see it that they would do it. I mean, that Belichick would do it for a strategic reason because if he was playing that bad, like, you know, the way he's going to look at it is what the way everybody else looks at it is he's just our best defensive player. And if we don't start him, maybe we could shake things up, catch them off guard. You know, it's just a very Belichick-like thing from a strategic standpoint that I'll see. But where that argument loses ground is whenever they lighten your ass up Later in the game, you still don't put him in. <laughs> when you're back, when the backup quarterback is the Super Bowl MVP. Yeah, yeah, like that's whenever that argument loses ground. There's also people saying that he did it to punish other players, which I don't. Yes, yes, I've seen that. And there's also former teammates that kind of accuse him of maybe being like you know caught with the weed or having issues with obeying the curfew because um I didn't know this but in the past the Patriots have sent people home for curfew yeah and, um, but the thing that makes me think that the most likely thing is that they were trying to lower his value because um they might increase but, but they were gonna trade him to the Saints the year after they won the Super Bowl with him. Right. And um, I don't know what ended up happening, but they did test his value. And he does have a contract year coming up, and New England is notorious for not wanting to pay players. So I think they may have wanted to lower his value by winning without him, so that way they could retain him for less. So, I, I, I mean, because that's just a very New England thing, but those are my overall thoughts on it. And out of the three possible things, that's what I think is the most possible thing. Yeah, I definitely saw like what you mentioned the first time about like, oh, you know, Mr. Curfew or, or no, not, not the Mr. Curfew part, but the first part about um the actual strategies and how he him playing against certain receivers was a wasn't really uh, a benefit to the Patriots, and he he has struggled recently. This wasn't his best season, but right, like you said, man, that dude they was playing whoever is on row, I think was 25. I think his name was number 25, 26. Yeah. Whoever was on him or whoever he was guarding, that's who we going to. Alshon Jeffries had 73 yards in the first half. And I was like, yo, he's, I was like, people going to try to get foes the MVP, but if the Eagles win, he's going to be the MVP because he's been, you know, catching all these big passes on third down, touchdowns and whatnot. But then for some reason, once Stephon Gilmore got switched on him, you know, it was, it was quiet for him. But Overall, like I was like, yo, Butler's like sitting over there chilling, and then, you know, you could see him over there every time they panned on him. He had his helmet on, like it looked like he was itching to get back on the on on the on the field. But there's no way. And I remember I saw when the national anthem was being played, and um, you know, he was over there teary eyed. I knew it wasn't like what's old buddy that was on the Broncos that was crying. Like <laughs> you ever seen that gif or that video of the, the running back crying? On the Broncos a couple seasons ago, and it was like uh, tears flowing. I forgot dude's name. It won't um, Moreno. It, it might have been Moreno. I think it was Moreno. It might have been him. Yeah, I think it was Moreno. 
but whoever it was, dude was balling. But you could tell like he was just emotional. You know what I'm saying? Like he for some reason the emotions of the game and he was excited or whatever was all running through was his brain at the time. This wasn't the same thing with Marshall, uh, Michael Butler. He was actually like trying to cover his face. He was trying to hide it. He had people consoling him with it. And apparently that's when he found out he wasn't going to play or that he wasn't even going to start. So, and even the guy who, uh, Eric Rowe, who replaced him, he said he found out a couple minutes before tip-off. Like, that's that's not somebody that went into the week like, oh, this this team has a strategic matchup that doesn't work for and us. And that's my main thing that makes me think it might be something personal because in any kind of – in football, no matter how good you are, the main thing is going to be – it's two things, playing inspired and playing with confidence. And you build that confidence from getting first-team reps. So if they were both that shot, Butler was getting the first-team reps he was. for two weeks. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, at first, after after all of that, so we knew that was BS. But then after they came out with some weird reports about, like you said, him getting, you know, smoking weed and this and that, I'm like, we would have known this before the game, bro. Like, there's no way that that would have happened and we found out afterwards. Like, nah, Patriots do keep stuff in house. They do, they, they do. But if that was the case, that we wouldn't find out afterwards either. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like I don't. I was just wary about the whole situation when he was saying he's smoking. Like, I was like, well, neither wanna... him or the Patriots said that. Those were outside sources. That's why I kind of took it with a grain of salt. And it was still at the same time people making assumptions. Right, right, right. But what I'm saying is. Those the Patriots are never going to come out like make a statement themselves. They, sure. People like teams like leak sources and stuff like that. They they don't put their name behind it, but that source would have leaked before or before the game, or you know days before whenever it happened, it would have leaked then. Well, I afterwards, if it was true, Minnesota late, huh? I did hear he got to uh, Minnesota late. Yeah, I heard that too. But, but here's my thing. You think if Malcolm Butler, one of the best corners on the team, misses the flight, you don't think that's going to be a, some, uh, a story? Did we was hearing stories about random Phillies play? I mean, Sixers, Sixers, random uh, Eagles players getting sick and having a flu. Well, I, I don't even know who they were. It was just random players. But oh, that's know. fake news. <laughs> that's <laughs> fake news. <laughs> Them niggas fall out. That's fake news. <laughs> I heard it, but I was like, okay, like whatever. But we, we definitely would. That's why I took that with a grain of salt too, because I was like, yeah, we would have known about this already beforehand. Well, but. that's kind of why I started by saying we have to wait until more comes out. But I just wanted to touch on it, just kind of see what you thought. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 where I'm at with it. I, I'm on I'm on Butler's side for real. I mean, I like Belichick. I think that whatever he was saying about we don't think the strategies matched up is total BS. Because if you didn't think that, you wouldn't have had him playing first team reps. All week, and you would have found you would have told him that he wasn't playing or he wasn't going to start before the game, or I mean, like weeks before or days before, not out minutes before. And even if that's the case, like you said, once they was getting lit up, <laughs> yeah, once they was getting lit up, like you should have played at least some snaps on defense. Like, there's no way that he plays no snaps on defense as the way the defense was playing. There's no way, like, yeah, I don't, I don't care what matchup you think you have, it ain't like the receivers got Randy Moss. And, and Chris Carter on the sidelines, like they, there was Alshon Jeffrey and like Tory Smith, who low key are you know not washed, but like okay, like you know what I'm saying, like they didn't have the most spectacular seasons if it wasn't they for. Did have Ertz. 
Ertz huh? is nice. Ertz is Ertz nice. Ertz is nice. Ertz is nice. But Malcolm Butler wouldn't have been on Ertz regardless. He would have been on Jeffries. I mean, yeah, Jeffries Smith or one the other receiver, Al Aguilar and Nelson is like, come on, son. He'd probably come been on Alshon. Exactly. So I, I don't want to hear that BS. Bill, Bill Belichick, go somewhere with that. But anyway, we'll, <laughs> we'll uh, you want to touch on the Fultz and and holes in uh, uh, Wentz portion too? Yeah. So how good now? After this transpired, how good do you think Carson Wentz is? Because people have been claiming him to be the next coming of Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady type of player. So what do you think? I'm actually leaning, and I just thought about this like literally just now. I'm leaning towards Doug Peterson and giving him more credit. Um, and his the, his philosophy and his strategies that he's came up with or putting his quarterbacks in the best situation possible. It's simply for the fact of part of the reason why Foles has been doing so well and had this hot run is because they went back to when he was doing well in Philly a couple of years ago with Chick Kelly's right. offense. And so that w- what was helping him do well there and try to implement it there, um, which is the, you know, run pass, uh, run pass option. Um, and I don't, I'm not, I watched the Eagles a little bit with, when they had Wentz this season and I know he was playing well. Um, I don't know if they were doing the RPO. But there was a couple times I saw Wentz playing. I was like, yo, this dude is actually nice. You know what I'm saying? Like, same thing I felt with Deshaun Watson. Like, there was just a couple throws, and I'm like, yo, this this dude is nice. So, I think Wentz is still, like, actually great talent. I liked him before the, last year's draft better than I like golf because I like mobile quarterbacks better. And I think right. I, said this on, I think I said this last podcast. But, no, I think Wentz is still the truth. It does. That's another reason why I didn't want the Eagles to win, Loki, because I I felt like it would diminish diminish his, you know, value to a certain extent. You know. Oh yeah, because you know before he got hurt, he was gonna win the MVP. I don't. I don't know, man. It depends on how many MVP. Huh? He was gonna win that MVP if they'd have finished in the exact same spot that they did with Foles, but he had like time to check out the MVP. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I I thought you said something else. I thought you were saying before Foles started playing better. Oh no, 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 no! no. I, I agree with that. Yeah, he was my MVP vote for sure. Um, but but if Nick but if Nick Foles did that, was he really the MVP? Yeah, he was. I think if anything, I think I think no, for real, I think so because Nick Foles, yeah, he had a high run, but he had two really bad games um, against teams that weren't playoff teams and that weren't really playing for anything at that too. Um, against the Cowboys and I think the Raiders. Um, so he, I mean, he, and even when he filled in with the, uh, against the Rams, I mean, he didn't play great, but he didn't lose the game. Like I, the only team he played great against in the regular season, I think was the Giants, of course. And then, uh, and then he started playing well against, um, you know, in, in the playoffs. But no, I think I still give the credit to Wentz. I think that he's a, still a Super Bowl, uh, I mean, MVP caliber quarterback i don't know if he's in that aaron Rodgers realm yet and i know why people say that because like i say he's a little mobile you know he could get his way out of a sticky situation but he got a little arm talent you know i just think it's funny that again you're not going to get certain comparisons to aaron Rodgers with some other quarterbacks but i do think he's you know could be in that tier i put him with the he's gearing close to the russell wilson's and Drew Brees in the world. Like, he's moving up the ranks for sure. I think he's definitely a franchise quarterback. Well, so this is how I look at it. Um, 
you know how when we were talking about quarterbacks last week, I said there's certain guys where no matter what you have around them, you're going to try and compete because you know that guy can get you there. Yeah. And those guys are like Russell Wilson, uh, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. Now, I didn't consider him being Carson Wentz to be in that tier, but a lot of people did. And even though I didn't see it, I could see the argument that they were making, and I did not see anything wrong with the argument that they were making. You know, it was like have different opinion for me, but I can still agree with your opinion. But after right. this, I don't think that opinion holds true because if you could slide Nick Foles in there, man, it's, it's not a bad quarterback. But, I mean, if you can slide him in there, who else could you have slid in there and done that? I mean, but here's the thing, though. Uh, one look at the look at the uh, the Vikings, they they was on their third string quarterback and almost won, um, you know the NFC. Like it's 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 a it's a it's a mixture of things, especially in the NFL, um, more so than a lot of other sports. It's about especially for quarterbacks too. It's about the the system and the environment that they're in. Exactly, you know, and I feel like the system and the team around them is like I still think Carson's good. Um. I think, like um, Cowherd, Colin Cowherd on Fox Sports, he um used to say, um, Wentz is a Ferrari, but Dak is a Corvette. I'm leaning toward mo- both of them being more so Corvettes now. I that's just the way I see him. I don't see him in that same light after this because before the way I was looking at it was his team was pretty bad last year, and him being in his second year, he is elevating them. He is making them better. He he's being game six, right? But no, Nick Foles was game six. So, <laughs> so no. like, I just don't. I mean, like, I still think he's really good. I still think he's franchise quarterback. Um, if I could take like, if I was an owner and I had to like, you know, we were fantasy drafting and I get and I could get to pick a guy to start my franchise with, he probably would be the guy. But. I just don't see him in the same light as I was starting to see him in before Nick Foles did what he did. Well, were you saying about about were you saying that about Tom Brady the year after they lost the Super Bowl, I think it was, and then he had tore his ACL in the first game. Matt Castle came in there and went eleven and five. Were you saying that then? What what was I saying that about who? Tom Brady. Tom Brady, bro, he just broke the record for touchdowns. What did he throw, like 50 no, 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 touchdowns? No, 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 no. But, but in 07 or 08, when Tom Brady got hurt in the first game and Matt Castle came in there and the team went 11-5. and five. They missed the playoffs, but they went 11-5. and five. Oh, was I saying that about Matt Castle? Yeah, like saying, like, oh, Matt Castle came in and took the Patriots to, like, a very respectable record, which any other year would make the playoffs. Um, Tom Brady ain't as good as we thought. Nope, did not think that, and I thought that they played the Chiefs whenever they traded them. I knew as soon as they traded them, I was like, oh, got them, got them. Same thing, and well, Jimmy Garoppolo might be a special case, but Jimmy Jimmy G was looking real good last year when, when uh, Tom Brady was suspended. Even- oh, he was looking good this year whenever he took the 49ers, who look a lot like the Cleveland Browns. He took them, and I don't think he lost a game, did he? He didn't, but if you look, if you look at his stats, they weren't as sexy as they they appear. But yes, they didn't lose a game. I think he yeah. went like three. Like a team like that that had wait, they had no wins. I think they might have had one before him. They had, yeah, they had. Like yeah, <laughs> and they, like put them on the street. Like, come on, dude. I don't care what your stats say. If you can win under those kind of situations, 
they had this quarterback. I think his name was like C.J. Weatherford or Betterford or whatever that was there before <laughs> Garoppolo. And the only reason I know this is because it was the Giants and we we lost. <laughs> but um, oh, that's terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. I, I was rooting for us to lose because I wanted the highest pick as possible. But uh, yeah, we lost. But anyway, hey, um, exactly. <laughs> uh, he threw like three hundred yards, and, like three touchdowns. Like so, I feel like there was something there. Um, with the 49ers, but again, I just, I did, uh, I guess we slightly disagree with it. I, I see what your point is. Wentz is good. He's just not, you know, may not be as advertised for a lot of people. I think he still is. I just think Foles is a lot better. One, because of the system, and two, because of the, you know, because of the environment. He had better players, man. Like the Rams was low key trash last year, and he went, he had 27 touchdowns and two picks a couple seasons ago when he filled in for like, I forgot who he filled in. Was it Michael Vick or somebody? He was uh, with the Eagles. Yeah, when he was on the Eagles and they had Chip Kelly. He did have a twenty-seven touchdown, two interception year. Exactly. So he he ain't no scrub. You know we. Yeah, that's why I said you know I put him in the realm of good backup, average to below average starter. I yeah. put him in that realm. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. But um, what was the uh, what were we segue into? Uh, is, are we going to the Nasser now? Uh yeah, let's talk Nasser. Yeah. You, so you, really? you you tell me what you read up on that. It's really crazy. So let me pull out my handy dandy notebook. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So here were some things that I was able to figure out at the time that I was doing my research. He'd been convicted. Of 40 to 175 years, and he had 150 plus victims. Mm. And he is also facing a and like that's just for the rape type stuff. But I also read he is facing an additional 60 possible years for child pornography. (sighs) Terrible. Um, something else I wanted to talk about with that. Um, about like, cause you know, whenever you hear stories like this in the news, they kind of don't want to say exactly what happened. So exactly. I was trying to figure out exactly what happened. Like I thought he was copping fields when he was stressing, whenever he was stretching the girls. That's yes, what I yeah. thought. Yeah. But what I read was his worst acts were using his finger to penetrate their anuses and vaginas, which is he's, he's a sick, sick man. He's sick and he's going to deserve everything he gets in jail under the jail. Mm -hmm. He's going to deserve everything he gets. I hope he don't kill himself so that he can have to deal with what he did every single day. Um, speaking of that, man, um, like when I found out, when I started catching wind of the story, because I think this, I guess, trial and everything actually started like last year or two years ago this isn't this isn't really a new thing it came off as new to me because i was totally oblivious to it um but when the, the gymnast started coming out like the ali reismans and the simone biles when telling their stories i was like oh snap like that's crazy yeah like, simone biles that's crazy yeah like they were just you know one of the faces of the uh of the country a couple years you know winters ago i mean summers ago um so i was like wow that's crazy and then you know, I read up on it a little bit, and I was like, oh, wow, like, there's a connection to, you know, Michigan State. 
uh, which is what you alluded to. Um, and I'm like, yo, like this could be a real Penn State type, you know, uh, investigation that the NCAA is starting to um, have, which I thought was going to be crazy because, you know, people as I, I, I was young, but I knew people loved Joe Paterno and everything like that. Oh, yeah. People love Tom Izzo, dog. Like, oh, people love him because he's like that fun guy in college basketball. And he's also competing at a high level, but not doing it with the one and duns like everybody else. So, exactly. They love him. Yeah. Like, the best player he's had, like, that's a pro now is maybe Draymond Green as a recent. Um, but I want to say he went all four years. Yeah. Yeah. He stayed all four years. And it's just like, man, like, Tom Izzo, when I found out Tom Izzo has some type of um, involvement, and then, like, when people kept questioning about it and pressing him about it, he was like, nah, I don't want to talk about it right now. When it when the time com- when the time comes, you know, I'll discuss it. Then I, I followed Jamel Hill on Twitter, and she had an article about it. Um, you know, oh, man, she's boo-boo. He said, what? Whoa, whoa, what? Yeah, she is boo-boo. Oh, my she God. She is boo-boo the fool. <laughs> Oh man, no, 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 <laughs> y'all. This is the hold on. This is the, this is the uh, way left. <laughs> yeah, she is you came out of left field with that, but <laughs> anyway, I mean, like, she'll do good stuff and have good takes, but then she'll tell them to like she'll go on Twitter and tell the fans to boycott the NFL advertisers who are also the advertisers for her employer, and then gets pissed off when she gets suspended. No, 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 no. So she actually, if I don't know if you follow her, but she actually didn't get mad. Well, at least from what I understand, she didn't get mad that she got suspended. She was totally accepting of it. Um, and I think when she tweeted that, because I saw the tweet initially, she was responding to people saying, cause it was an article and she was responding to it and responding to, to some fans. She was basically saying like, yo, if you're going to boycott, what you need to boycott is like the advertisers, because that's going to really help hurt the, the, the business and the company. I don't think she was basically saying, which, like, oh, you need to work hard. Don't watch advertisers for her employer, though. Is that, is, 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 which is, Budweiser yeah, for. Exactly. Come on. Yeah, it, it is, but it's like, uh, I guess to a certain extent, she's like, I don't, I don't care about that. I, I could get money elsewhere. What I do care about is the NFL's, you know, not have, you know, treating people fairly and all that other stuff. So I guess that's where she was coming from with that, but. Nah, I can't. I can't let that. <laughs> well, me personally, I don't like social media activists. I like activists like uh, what's my man from uh, Eagles cornerback Jenkins. Yeah, Jenkins. What? I like guys. Jesus. Oh man. I don't say. I don't say. I particularly like the Kaepernick kneeling, but I do like the charity he's done. So. But Kaepernick, Jamal Hood does check. No, my man, we ain't gonna get it. We we getting off the topic. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, so what she she tweeted, you know, she had an article about it, and she has an actual personal relationship with Tom Izzo, and she oh yeah, she went MSU. Yeah, she, and she criticized him, or not criticized, him, but she was like, "Yo, like, it sucks that you you we be cool and you not standing up or coming out about what happened. Like, we need to know." what happened you know what i'm saying like this is not okay so i thought that i was like wow this is this is going to get ugly real quick so some stuff is going to come out about that some more stuff and in, involvement uh for msu is going to come out about that but then i saw the trial and one of the parents i forget his name they had his name but uh one of the parents like charged that dude during one of the hearings 
And I was like, I wish he'd keep his ass. Exactly. I was like, I wish he wouldn't have said nothing <laughs> beforehand. Because if you saw the video, he kept saying, like, Your Honor, all I want is five minutes with him. And then <laughs> he was like, all right. Oh, man, man, just give me five. Yeah, he was like, all right, three minutes. <laughs> three, all right, one minute. Like, nah, you shouldn't have said nothing. And he, you could have went right to him. I feel like you would have got at least one hit. One, one just little one. Bit, Just one little good hit. That's, sometimes that's all you need. But And I do think he had three daughters that were victims. Exactly. He had three daughters that were victims. Which is, again, I, I think, and that's the part of the reason why the judge is like, I'm not going to, you know, give punish him for that action. Like, <laughs> are you kidding me? So I totally agree with that. Um, that whole that guy's a creep. He's a scum, and he deserves, like you said, everything that he's gonna get and moving forward. But I think the whole thing is is wild for sure. It's wild. But more interestingly, let's get more into the Tom Izzo side of it, as well as the Michigan State football side of it. Now, first, I want to talk about the speculation aspects of it. So she was saying she was heard about him not speaking up or saying anything. But, like, with what's been going on in his program and in Michigan State, and also speculation is that he didn't do what he was supposed to do, but there's also speculation that he reported to who he was so, that who he was supposed to report to, he reported the information that he knew. Right. That's also up for speculation. But some of the facts about the stories, they kind of – blur the line to where there's like a possible like where there's possibly a lot of shades of gray as to what actually happened but um i will say he is right to not speak about it right now whenever like he could potentially say something self-incriminating whenever he didn't do anything so i do think he's right to not speak about it for that reason because i don't know if he did or did not do anything because i've heard multiple reports that he did report who he was supposed to report to. But I've also heard that some of the people that the information was reported to, they didn't, they were doing what was best for the university. Right. So um, I'm going to get into some of those facts. Um, since 2010, 16 Michigan state football players have been accused of rape or domestic violence. Um, also, you know, Adrian Payne and Keith Appling that play in the NBA, right? The G League. Oh, they're in the G League now, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So those guys were also accused of rape, and um, they also had their case reviewed by outside investigators and things like that. And Adrian Payne actually said verbatim, that he could understand how she feels she's not free to leave during their sexual encounter. Yes. Wow. AA president at the time, Mark Emery, knew of 37 undisciplined assault charges at Michigan State University by student athletes. What happened with him? Did he like resign? I think he resigned. Also, Incident with Adrian Payne and Keith Appling, an assistant supposedly involved, and also it is also suspected that he struck a student female in the face while he was a coach there. Also, the university sought to unsuccessfully disclose the names of athletes in any reports that were released or given to police or any investigators, and they also tampered with 
the reports in such a way that they're almost indecipherable. That is reported by ESPN. ESPN also reports that in the Keith Appling and Adrian Payne incident, the private investigator who was the outside source that was supposed to be coming in to handle the situation did not write a final report, whether it be by hand or digital. Mm. So, like, I don't know. Tom Izzo, he might have done what he was supposed to do and report to who he was supposed to report to, but at the same time, what it looks like to me, those people were acting in the best interest of the university and keeping the name of Michigan State clean, and I think it just leads to a bigger issue throughout the NCAA, how you can't just how the universities can cover things up like this, how Derrick Rose can play a whole damn season, didn't even take an SAT. Um, Reggie so Bush awesome. can't accept what what uh, what did he get in trouble for? A TV? It was something like his, somebody paid find a pay rent or he got like a, some, uh, one of his family members got like a new apartment or something crazy like that. Some stupid. Yeah, like this is what. Like, like the NCAA are the biggest bunch of crooks in America and are exploiting young men, and they're trying to cover up their own dirt because, like, let's just look at it like it is. They are a professional sports organization that does not pay its athletes with money. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to just do whatever they can to keep themselves up to appear clean. Terrible. Um. Yeah, that's. I'm glad. I'm glad you because like some of those things, like you said, I didn't even. I wasn't even aware of. Like I knew there was some, um, assaults and accusations that went like, you know, was hush hush. But that's crazy, man. That's crazy. Assistant coaches being involved, and as the head, as the head coach, man, you just can't be oblivious to that stuff, man. Like I, I you can't be. Like you said, we don't know the facts or some facts yet. There's still some things that you know have to come out that will come out. But man, like you, yeah, that's that's tough. Yeah, see, like cause even though I like Tom Enzo and I feel like he might have done what he was supposed to do, at the same time, that's like my man Rick Patino saying, "I didn't know what was happening." Exactly. Exactly. You don't stop lying <laughs> if you don't stop lying. Yeah. But um. Yeah, man. So what was the, uh, you know, we wanted to kind of move into the, uh, you know, next week we got the Black Panther coming out. Um, it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of buzz going around this movie, man, which oh, quite more frankly, than you know. Yeah. Quite frankly, I, I tweeted about this the other day. I was like, I don't really, I'm not that excited about it. Like as just as a movie, like I'm not that excited about it. Part of the reason is because I was never a big fan of Black Panther. Like, so I like I had, I had, yeah. So I had to read up on it and learn more about it, so I can conjure up some excitement. Which and I'll just look at the movie and the trailer. I thought some parts of it. I hope it's not going to be what I think it is, which is kind of like I don't know, like just doing a little too much with certain stuff. I, it's hard for me to explain, and I, I'll probably say it after I go see it. But um, I do want to see it. I am excited about it, but just not excited as I am about some other Marvel movies. Um, that are coming out this year, matter of fact. But you know, what, what were your thoughts? War. Yo, man, it's gonna be lit. It, yeah, you, you, it, you talk it has no choice but to be great. Has no choice. You talk crazy about Avengers, man, but I know you know Infinity War is gonna be crazy. Bruh, Avengers one and two are not that good, but this one has no choice but to be good. 
Yeah, but so, um, I guess I'll start with some of the stuff I've been looking up about Black Panther. So let me start before I do that, saying how I feel about the character and stuff. Um, like you know, as a comic book fan, I feel like I'm the most hardcore of casual fans, but the most casual of hardcore fans. <laughs> so I feel like I, I can kind of give a unique perspective on mainstream the way that they look at it the same way I can kind of give how the niche group of comic book fans also look at it so um me personally I don't like Black Panther I think he's a crappy <laughs> superhero um like, I did not know that want, yo he's crappy to me like because to me superhero is what makes you a hero and what makes you super don't think he really has any defining powers um and he just kind of feels like to me he feels like a character that a black person made just to be better than iron man and batman that's what he feels <laughs> like because like they just made him so smart and so rich and like just the whole idea that in the marvel universe for centuries no for all of time that there was a country called wakanda and a meteor landed there with this foreign alien substance. That's what Captain America Shields made out of. Yeah, vibranium. The, uh, vibranium, yeah. And they cloak it, and now nobody knows where the hell Wakanda is. <laughs> and like I said, there's nothing really unique about him. Um, I think he could have been good if, like, because his powers come from the spirit of the Black Panther. And I right. think his powers could have been good if it was strictly from that. But you, first of all, you have to be like the title of Black Panther is for the king of the country. And that's given by blood. Right. right. But at the same time, you have to eat this heart shaped fruit to gain the powers of the Black Panther. So it's like, well, damn, anybody can do it. <laughs> no, so you got to be the not, one, man. Only Neo could do it. You got to be the one. You gotta be, I mean, so like to me, it's just not well written. And I just feel like it's kind of fan made. But. At the same time, I want the movie to be good for two reasons. One, because I'm going to go see it because the Marvel Cinematic Universe is like a TV show. You got to see all the movies to know what's going on. Exactly. And two, I do want future great black superheroes. And right. there's two guys. I don't know if Cyborg still has his movie coming up, but both of those guys have to be successful if that's going to happen because it's like, you know, in wrestling, people ask, why aren't there more black world champions? Well, black people don't watch wrestling, so that's why they don't have black world champions like that. Because they want them to resemble the audience, so the audience will be more invested. Same thing with superheroes. And those are the two guys that we have that, if they're going to see a market to make more black superheroes, Black Panther has to be good because he's got the Disney backing. Because Disney owns Marvel. Mm -hmm. And like their brand with this Marvel Cinematic Universe is so big that they took Guardians of the Galaxy, which was so far from mainstream, and they are huge box office. Right. I, I mean, like I like the movies. That's probably that's probably my favorite MCU fan, my favorite MCU franchise. But like, dude, they took Ant Man. He's <laughs> a blockbuster hit. So like, if Black Panther don't do what he's supposed to do. We're going to be hurt for black superheroes in the future. Yeah. And also with Cyborg, 
he's probably the most popular Teen Titan. Um, our generation kind of grew up with the Teen Titans, and now the newer generation is growing up with that show they have, which you feel have you want to feel about it, but that's whatever. <laughs> he's somebody, so somebody uh, I know hates that show. I mean, I like it because I don't look at it as a superhero show. It's just for kicks and giggles. <laughs> but he's probably the most popular Teen Titan now, and he's so popular that in the comic books and the movies, they rewrote his character whenever, like, you know, they always revamp the character, start universe over. They yes. revamped it in such a way that he was never a Teen Titan, went straight to the Justice League. So, huh. like, yeah, like, that's why he was in the Justice League movie, because I want to say the New 52 that was when they rebooted it, and they made him – that was like 2008, 2011, and they made him a founding member of the Justice League in a variation of the story that happened in the movie. Wow. It was different. Um, They did actually fight Darkseid in that story, not Steppenwolf, but, like, yeah, like, that's how popular he is. And, like, you know, they're both black, but they represent two different things. Cyborg kind of represents the here and now, and he's black, but his thing is about fitting in in a world that may not accept him. But it's not because he's black, but because he's a robot. But like, you know, it's like a double metaphor because normally he wouldn't fit in because he's black, but he's not fitting in because he's a robot. And Black Panther kind of represents Africa and that side of it. So. I just feel like both those guys have to have good movies if we're going to have good good black superheroes moving forward. Well, I think, uh, like I said, I, I, I'm not the biggest Black Panther fan, but I do like doing my research. I, recently, I don't know what it, what made me start like following comic books more. I don't read them. I, I, and back in the day, my dad used to read comic books, and he passed down some X-Men comic books. But I never read them. I don't know why. I don't know if I still have them. I don't know what I did with them. But let me get that, fam. <laughs> I would if I could, but I really don't know where they at. But he has some classic X X Men comic books way back in the day. But recently, like I, I forget what movie it was, but it made me. I I hated going to the movies and seeing the Iron Mans and seeing the Thors and not knowing what the heck was going on. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. then after the movie, my dad and my brother they were like comic book nerds. So they would know everything. I'm like, so wait, why did this happen? Why did this happen? So I was like, you know what? I'm gonna just do my own research. So YouTube is my source, <laughs> and I got some some different. You know, one guy's variant variant comics who seems pretty. Oh, that guy's awesome. Yeah, that's my favorite. Uh, what's this? Abrius uh, or whatever his name is. Like, yeah, that's my dude. So I, I always he has like reviews on comic books. So I read his review on the Black Panther, and it, basically what you said is what I remember him saying too. But also, I think at one point, they you know the thing that made um, his he's not T'Challa, right? That's not him. That's his dad, right? He's T'Challa. His dad is T'Chaka. Okay. Well, T'Challa, his brother. He had a brother that was older than him, I think, who was supposed to be the heir. But for some reason, he wasn't the right heir to the Black Panther. So there was some. It's not like automatic. Like, oh, just because you're next up, you're going to be the Black Panther. You still got to earn it to some sort of. Degree. I mean, there is a rite of passage, but the way it's written, it's like, or anybody can steal that fruit. <laughs> you still have that that little heart shaped fruit. That <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, like if the spirit had to accept you for like who you were, then that'd be different. Honestly, man, and I, I rock with it. My biggest beef, especially seeing them in Civil War, my biggest beef with the Black Panther is them claws, man. 
I don't, I don't rock with it. You say he's like Iron Man, Batman. I see that because he's like smart, rich, you know, person or whatever. Uh, they don't really have a superpower type guy, but I see him as like a hand-me-down X uh, Wolverine. Like, I don't like the whole claws thing, man. Like, I don't know what you're going to do. Like, I get that he's a panther and whatnot, but I don't like the claws thing. It bothers me. It irks me. It bothers me. I don't, I can't get with it. So just me, I can't, like, I always like myself when I, when I was like Blade. I love Blade. And oh, yeah. when I was, when I used to see the Blade movies, I used to be like, get my little uh, nightstick or whatever and jump around. Like I had a little uh, samurai or something, but, I can't see myself wanting to climb on walls and start scratching up stuff, man. I can't really. Well, I hope <laughs> you would, dude. You're like, well, I'm I don't want to do that. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm just saying, even the kid inside of me, man, don't want to do that. But um, so that's that's my biggest beef with Black Panther. But even with that said, I think his mythos is dope, just for the simple fact of, like you said, it's Wakanda, and it it's going back to the origins of the metaphor that Africa is one of the the continents that has the best resources. It's supposed to be natural, but you know, best natural resources. I thought it was dope when I found Yeah, and I um I thought it was dope that um they said vibranium is where you know Africa is where vibranium came from. Um and that's supposed to be like one of the strongest materials in that that universe. Um I thought it was dope. And then he turned that into a uh um you know the cloth, and he's able to wear that as a um, outfit, costume, whatever you want to call it. But I thought the whole thing was dope. Um, I think it's dope that he, you know, his wife is Storm. I, I hope they will, they able. They may not do it in this movie, but I hope you know a future movies or something. They they, you know, intertwine that because I think that's dope. Um, well, um, you know, Fox. Well, Marvel yeah. broke in the '90s, so they sold off a lot of their movie rights. Like right now, they don't officially have Hulk or Spider-Man, they're being, <laughs> they're loaning their own characters from Sony and Universal Studios. But um, if they can complete the acquisition of Fox, then the X-Men will be integrated into the MCU. So we probably will see something with Storm and uh, with Storm and Black Panther, yeah. as well as other X-Men in the Fantastic Four. But um, yeah, it all depends on that. Right now, Comcast is trying to make a bid to buy it. So at the earliest we see that is 2021, 2022, because the deal with Fox has to go all the way through. Oh, right. yeah, I, I didn't even know it. I heard about the deal and stuff, but um, yeah, so I think that's the yeah, um, fun fact of Black Panther. He debuted, his comic book debut was actually in a Fantastic Four comic book. So it'd be kind of cool if they did get the rights back to Fantastic Four and they did like a crossover movie. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, and one thing I also thought was dope was that I'm not sure if he was before he came before after the actual Black Panther movement in the U.S., but he's not based off of that movement. Uh, I got another fun fact for you, man. He actually predates the Black Panther Party. Yeah, I want to say about one or two years, maybe three. Okay, but once the Black Panther Party came out, they tried a couple of issues changing his name to Black Leopard so they wouldn't be associated. Exactly. But it won't stick, and so they switch back. Yeah, exactly. So I thought that was pretty dope too, because when I first heard about, I, I always heard about Black Panther back in the day, and you know, my, you know, just being in my environment, my mom would be like, "Oh, you know, you got some black superheroes and stuff." But um, I thought he was a direct, you know, derivative of the Black Panther movement, but he wasn't. So I thought that was dope in itself. But 
Um, I, I I think the overall mythos of him is dope. I'm excited to see the movie. I think some people take it a little too far, man. <laughs> I, I know some of it is jokes, and I'm here for the jokes. As far as like, you know, don't go into the movies wearing a dashiki or something like that. I'm all for the jokes, but I think some people really get in any feelings about like, yo, this is a black movie. We're not here for this. We're not here for that. Like, yo, like, <laughs> let's chill out for a minute, man. You want to. And authors who are going to get credit, which, and I'm going to talk about some reviews for it later so people can know what to expect, but this might be like, as a like as a straight film, like the most Oscar worthy Marvel movie that they've made yet. But it is still under Marvel Studios, which is under Disney. So white people are getting their money. Yeah, of course. Always. But I do think it's dope that the, the cast because we haven't seen it. Like they had what yeah. was it, Gods of Egypt, where they had like a white cast or something like come on man. Yeah. Even oh. re- even recently they had like I don't know what they were doing with like Nefertiti and they were saying like oh this is what she may have looked like and she looked like some white woman I'm like come on bro let's let's cut oh, it yeah, out they tried it. Yeah, and they uh, tried it. so, so any glow whenever they want to reboot Spider-Man because there's a half black half Latino Spider-Man in comics isn't that Miles Miles right Miles Morales they were talking about rebooting it with that character and letting Danny go letting Danny Glover play it but Twitter went no you can't do that who's Miles I want Peter <laughs> you know that's how that goes but uh i want to just kind of touch real quick on some reviews and box office expectations for the movie um right now it has a after 55 reviews it has a 100 percent score on rotten tomatoes you take that how you want i don't really rock with rotten tomatoes because of the scoring system but a lot of people do so i threw that out there um far as what they've been saying about the movie, they said he's the James Bond of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm. Um, it celebrates African culture and touches on a lot of political issues, and the main villain is seen as a revolutionary, which he's probably using common sense, like I said, and said, if anybody can eat this fruit, why can't I? But, um, you know, that's probably what he's talking about. But, um... My only thing about that, I like everything except for the James Bond. I hope they're not talking about the recent James Bond movie. <laughs> like, I've already told you I'm a big wrestling fan. Batista was chasing James Bond, and they were both in Ferraris. And I went, went <laughs> 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 uh, Box office projections, Um, whenever they first started getting a rough idea, Disney came out and said $90 million. Which was, I think, Justice League actually opened at ninety nine. So that's what they were. That's what they were first hoping for for Black Panther. But it has since risen, and now they are expecting anywhere from one hundred thirty million to one hundred fifty million for the opening of Black Panther. And to put that into context, because Black Panther is really like a C level character in terms of how the comic book company when they were making the comic books viewed him because he's gone a good stretch of without having comic books and like you know when he was getting comic books he was only getting one solo comic book a week but just to put that into perspective if he were to open at the 150 that they're expecting then there would only be three solo superhero movies that would have higher box office than him i'm sorry four would be spider-man three uh two of the dark knight movies as well as Iron Man 3, 
Captain America Civil War would also be up there, but I don't count that because that's really an Avengers movie, but I'm hoping he does do that good in box office because, like I said, I do want to have more black superheroes. Yeah, facts. <laughs> See, when you brought up the James Bond thing, it automatically think, made me think about him as the actual Takala or Takala um, as the person, not the actual superhero. After his entrance to Civil War was dope, and one of the best scenes was when you know he was chasing after went uh, went to soldier. That was and, probably the best. Scene. Nah, is, it won't. Well, not, won't. not 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 that scene. I mean, like when he was chasing after him and he got caught. Went to soldier, got caught, and he was like, "How long do you think you can keep your friend from me?" I was like, "Oh, oh, my man, Chadwick Baldwin came. Or Chad, what's that? Chadwick Bosman or whatever. He came Chadwick to play, Bosman. man. Yeah, yeah, Bosman. He came. He came to play, man. So I was and, like." All right. And then that's another thing that I also hope it does. Like, this is the superhero movie that has the best chance of winning a Oscar that's, like, not in a category for, like, superhero movies or whatever, which I hope they do do that because there's more black superheroes, which I'm all for. Right, right. So, um, <laughs> so we were, you know, I had a discussion yesterday with somebody who shall remain nameless for now, but... Um, he who must not be named. I know who it is. It's Voldemort. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so basically we started the com- I forgot how the conversation started but there's something to the effect of Friday right the movie Friday with Ice Cube and, and uh, Chris Rock I mean Chris Tucker and how is that a a classic movie or a hood classic now before I, I, I turn this to you I want to say my definition of a hood classic is the movie that the hood or you know black culture accepts is like a classic movie for us but we also recognize that it's not a really a good movie. <laughs> it just holds some type of it just holds some type of sentimental value. It came out at the right time. It was representing a certain time, or um, you know, it was classic scenes in it, or classic actors, or you know, entertainers in it, or something like that. But the movie itself really wasn't that good. Um, I personally think Friday um, is not a hood classic. I think it's a classic movie. I think. It it deserves to be one of those movies. It may not be like the most, the best movie ever written type. You know, the plot may not be the best, whatever. But I think it's good enough, and it deserves more credit. You know, and I guess you can argue whether I should say a hood classic isn't that good or not. But I think it deserves more credit than a hood classic. Some the person I was talking to doesn't, and I think the person I was talking to feels like hood classics is basically whatever movie is about. You know, the hood, which Friday was technically about. Um, that that's a hood classic if it was a good movie but what do you think sir well i do think there are certain elements that would define a hood classic but friday in particular i feel like was a hood classic that became a classic that's how i feel okay there are certain elements like um there has to be like certain motifs to it like a lot of hood classics start with a bunch of crazy stuff going on, like, boom, something blows up. Boom, people chasing each other. Boom, there's a car chase. And the main guy gets caught by either the cops or, like, his rival or something. And then it pauses and says, dang, crazy, right? <laughs> Let me tell you how it all happened. <laughs> that's, that sounds like a BET special. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, you know, certain motifs like that and also – has to be certain things about it that other demographics that are not hood would not understand. Like, um, 
thing that makes me think about it the most is the scene in state property whenever Jay-Z was talking to the female in code. And like, even though I don't know what they were saying, I know what was going on and that they were talking in code. If some <laughs> server sees that, they should be like, yo, what the hell going on? <laughs> like, you know, I think elements like that too, but Friday definitely went from being a hood classic to, I wouldn't say classic, but just a comedy classic in general. Yeah, like I, I'm not when I say classic, I'm not putting it up there with like Godfather because that's one of my favorite movies. Yeah, it's Redemption. yeah, it's not like that, but I mean, like classic in the sense like that's more well renowned and it's more well accepted as like that was a pretty good movie for when it came out, um, and it's you know, appreciated and and people don't look at it and like ah, whatever that was just just something that came out. I think a hood classic that we you know people have seen it hold near and dear but when you look at it like this is actually not a good movie <laughs> for me it's like minister society like yeah. i actually i just saw that like uh, roughly six seven years ago for the first time but i remember the first time i saw it i kept watching it that whole weekend and i don't know why but i just kept watching it it was reruns or something like that but i think it's a hood classic but it's definitely not something like Everybody, no matter where you're from, you heard about like you definitely had to have seen Minister Society. <laughs> like, right? <laughs> but everybody knows if you're from the hoods. Everybody knows if you've seen the movie at least certain scenes, like when they was in, when they when they got caught. And oh, I wish I could remember the actor name. Um, but he was like, you know, you done messed up, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, you done messed up, right? Like, that that's just funny to me. Um, uh, like, uh, what uh, what's that one? I like it. Uh, paid in full, hood classic. Exactly, hood classic. I, again, I just recently saw that like four or five years ago. But that's definitely a hood classic. Oh, that's another thing. Hood classics have to have rappers. Hey man, wait. Rico. Yo, man, Rico is definitely a classic uh, character. Man, paid in full is actually one of my favorite classics but um yeah, I, um I think it's like like i feel like other hood classics were just like money grabs but i feel like that was an attempt to be an actually good film you think so yeah because like it's very serious and has very serious acting it's just like you know just didn't catch on with mainstream yeah yeah i, I could agree with that um i didn't even know it came out in the early 2000s i thought it came out in the 90s before I watched it, at least. Yeah, yeah, like, that's the way it looks. But you know, I'm moving different, man. Seeing <laughs> my, body different. <laughs> my body different. My like, body like, different. Like, I really don't remember what he says, but like, if you just start talking like that, people will know what you're saying. Yo, like, you know, good class. I definitely wanted to go, I don't do Halloween, but I definitely wanted, like, when I was in college, to go as A one year. <laughs> like, yo, yo, B. I got shot in the head, B. My body oh, yeah. different. My body oh, yeah. different. Did you let uh, Reggie be the uh, other guy? Uh, what's my man name that used to always had the pig that was selling drugs? <laughs> but the toothpick, he used to have a part in his head. Oh, I can't remember his name. But yeah, you let Reggie be your own. <laughs> you let Reggie be that guy. <laughs> but, um,. But yeah, that's that's just crazy, man. But um, I think Alex I think, like, Rico. <laughs> yo, Alex is not Rico, man. For sure. Yo, if Alex could pull off Rico, he deserves an Oscar. 
that is no longer a hood cluster. <laughs> but um, that's 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 that was just my, my, one of my favorite uh, hood classics. And other movies too, like um, it was on the tip of my tongue. I feel like the other Fridays after the first one are just hood classics. I don't think they they were pretty. You know, people accept them as pretty funny, but it was like you know, eh, whatever. Like they're not hood class. I mean, actual classic movies. Uh, and the reason why the conversation started was because of Belly. And I told, oh. and I told the person, <laughs> exactly. I told the person I had never seen Belly, and I still to this day haven't seen Belly. Um, I don't really. I, I kind of know, like I, I'm aware of who Keisha is. I know Nas and um, DMX were in it and stuff, but I just never really had an interest in seeing it. Uh, and I think wasn't that the movie when it was like a uh, movie where the dude was eating a banana? And he was like, hey, "Yo, I don't like that. I don't." Uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't like that. I'm finna drop a dime on. <laughs> See, here's another interesting one. Have you seen Kings of New York? I have not seen it. And it's about that guy Frank White, um, drug dealer and all that, kind of like a pseudo Robin Hood, giving to the poor, selling from the rich, kind of. Even though he kills people and drug dealer, but he has like a lot of black people in his gang. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne's actually in it. But uh, um, like you know, it has a lot of elements of a hood classic, but is not considered a hood classic just because, like, production for the movie at the time was too good, and the acting in it was too good. Kind of, kind of like Scarface. Scarface. No, I was Scarface just about to say that. A claim that it does, and did not have the production value that it had. For the time of the movie, which was the 70s, and it looked better than a lot of movies from the 80s, if it didn't have that, it'd be a hood classic. I still consider it a hood classic, for sure, honestly. And, and this is where the conversation went, too, because this one, like I said, that person brought up, and they was like, oh, you know, hood classic's got to be about certain content, and it got to be about the hood, or whatever, whatever. I was like, no, because Scarface is a hood classic. Yes, people, you know... I guess because it's Al Pacino and he gets a little bit more, and uh, what's that, Michelle Pfeiffer? Like, you know, they get a little bit more um, respect and admiration. But people, don't, people, when they talk about Al Pacino, they don't bring up Scarface, man. They bring up Godfather. They might bring up, you know, they bring up some other movies. I guess Carlito's Way, i never seen that. I think he was in that. Um, movie, not that one. That's, to me, that's in the same boat. It'd be a hood classic, but there's too many different conditions. Exactly. So I don't. Yeah, I agree. This that was my point. Where that's where I really wanted to take it. Where I thought you could be, at, you could have a hood classic that wasn't necessarily about the hood or had to be like predominantly about black people or anything like that. Um, it is. You know, we we especially back in the day, we love our gangster movies, man. I know. <laughs> yeah, we love our, uh, our gangster or uh, you know like, that wasn't really the mafia, but we love the mafia movies. And I was like, even Goodfellas to a certain extent. I mean, that gets. That gets some critical acclaim, but that's that's borderline. That's teetering on the hood classic. You know what I'm saying? Um, but, yeah, borderline. We'll um, say that. That's that's where oh, I was going. With. I really didn't like Godfather, bro. I just didn't. Boring. Oh, oh my goodness, man! Also, hey, I we did try watching it when I was a kid. So maybe if I try watching it now, it'd be different. You gotta. First of all, <laughs> and this is a perfect segue, but. You gotta you gotta watch at least the first two. All right. Um it, it's a little it's a little long, but I mean it, it, it it's it's not an issue. I'll watch it, but I just feel like to me, I just remember them being boring, but also I think the oldest I tried to watch it was like twelve, which 
might have been too young for me to really get invested in it at the same time. I'll tell you one thing, man. My mom is good for she used to always sit me down and make me watch certain things. And I'll some of the things I can remember off the top of my head, she made me sit down. This is when I was not like I I grew up like real, you know, not sheltered, but like strict. Like I couldn't watch music videos because of the content and stuff like that growing up, whatever. But yeah. I remember her, she was cracking up over Delirious when you no, it wasn't Delirious, it was Raw. Eddie Murphy Raw. She was cracking up. And I was like, yo, Ma, what, like, what are you laughing at? That's so funny. Because she had just bought it, you know, this is back when Blockbuster was the hit. And she was like, you know, sit down, we're going to watch this. <laughs> she rewinded it and we watched it. And it was, you know, obviously hilarious. But it was Eddie Murphy Raw. She made me watch the entire Roots series, my man. The entire, like, she bought the collection. It's like 13 different. She TV. made you watch it. Huh? I said, I feel for you if she made you watch it whenever you were that young. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, like, I think it might have been, like, it's, so long. It's, it's long, but we spent, like, a couple months watching it. Like, we watched it on it, like, because we, we always had, like, date nights and stuff. So we always go, either go to the movies or, like, sit on a Friday night and watch stuff. But she was like, nah, we're going to make an effort to watch these, which I'm glad she did because I'm glad. It was actually a great series. But Roots and The Godfather, the entire, the three series. And we didn't watch it all in one sitting, obviously, but. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, it's really not enough time in one day to do that. So there's no way you hey, did it. Don't don't try me. Because <laughs> give it enough time. I will definitely watch it. I think I actually did that one weekend. Because uh, I right. found... <laughs> By the time you get done, you'll be two years older. <laughs> but, yeah, man, uh, I give, give it a chance now that you're a little older and you might, you know, see things a little differently. I think. I think I put both Godfathers in my top five movies, honestly. Like, if somebody yeah, made see, The thing with Scarface, because I watched it maybe even younger than I tried to watch Godfather, but Scarface was more, like, see, this is why it's more hood classic, because it had, like, a lot more just straight-up action happening in it. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I, I've heard people, other people say that. I actually didn't really care for Scarface too tough. Um... I can never really sit down and force myself to watch the whole thing. I think it's a little bit funny. <laughs> Al Pacino trying to his little accent. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> but um, I was never a huge Scarface fan, but I I love, I think Al Pacino is one of my favorite actors, and I love Godfather for facts. But speaking of Godfather, your, your, your boy Marlon Brando, man, um, apparently, you know, in this Quincy Jones interview that just came out earlier today, oh, <laughs> your, your your band said that first of all, Quincy Jones is wild. I, I think he like eighty four. <laughs> he, he's mad reckless right now. He had an interview, and uh, well, I think Vulture, and you know they they covered pretty much everything, and he was pretty no holds barred with <laughs> whatever was asked. Um, no holds barred. <laughs> so. Um, Dude came. I forget how the question was. This wasn't even a question. I forget what the question was. But God, dude, basically answered as if, "Oh, we, you know, people had sex with anything back in the day. You know, Marlon Brando had sex with Richard Pryor, and he named some other guys, James Baldwin." And he was like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> the interviewer was like, "Wait, what?" And he was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." But that was the seventies. But dude, like, did you read the part whenever he said he knew who killed JFK? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I did. I heard, I heard about that part. I did not read that part, but I mean, well, he did say he knew, but 
he said something along those lines. And then the guy was like, wait, man, who did it? Do you know? And then he was like, man, I know too much. We should not be talking about this publicly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I thought he was just talking crazy because even in that answer where, where he was talking about, you know, Richard Pryor and James Baldwin, I mean, James Baldwin, um, Marlon Brando, um, he answered it and he was like, yeah, he tried to gloss over it. He was like, do you like Brazilian music? Like, wait, what, dog? Like, you can't just say yeah. something outlandish like that and then just talk about Brazilian music. Like, what are you talking about? But then the crazy thing about it was that um, Richard Pryor's widow, um, I think her name was Jennifer, she came out and confirmed, you know, obviously, we, unfortunately, rest in peace to both Richard Pryor and Marlon Brando. They can't defend themselves and say whether it did or didn't happen, but she is adamant in saying that, hey, like Richard was pretty open about his bisexuality and his stand-ups and whatnot, and pretty candid about it, and that he actually did have sex with Brando at one point. And so was Marlon Brando, apparently. I'm not too familiar with Marlon Brando other than The Godfather, so right. I can't say too um, much about that. The third guy that was in that list was Marvin Gaye. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, yeah Marvin Gaye. Um, exactly. I'm James like, Bond. What? And then, like you said, you like Brazilian music? <laughs> like, what are you talking about, man? So then the story I heard a couple of days ago, before the interview got really popping, was <laughs> Quincy said that Prince low-key tried to run over Michael Jackson in, in a limo um, after some some sort, of, <laughs> some sort of performance, which is hilarious and petty and all in the same thing. And considering yeah, that... We, yeah, and considering that we had like a uh, trash Prince tribute by Justin Timberlake just a few days ago. I thought that was pretty funny that we got an interview. <laughs> Can you imagine Prince telling a limo driver to <laughs> run over Michael Jackson? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what do you do if you're the limo driver, man? Like, <laughs> that's crazy. So, I think you probably just sit there and look at him until either one Michael walks away or two. He throws a stack of money at you. <laughs> exactly. I play. I need a little bit. I need a little bit extra for this ride, sir. <laughs> if you're gonna maybe do all this, but man, what what is your overall take of the interview uh, with Quincy though? Um, he said some bold things, which might be true. Um, two that really kind of stuck out to me was um, I don't know how much you listen to music outside of hip hop, but I do listen to like some old school rock music, like oh, Wayne the Montana and the Mind Benders. Listen to a little bit of that. No, you Chuck, got me on that one. Uh, Robert Johnson, different guys like that. Also listen to some Temptations, just different variety. Um, it's this one guy, I think he's like a jazz composer or something, but I think he's very obsessed with Wu-Tang, but he went and redid all the, like a lot of their beats with like jazz instruments and I listen to that a lot too. So I listen to different kinds of music. Um do listen to the Beatles a little bit. John Lennon in particular if talking separate, like them not being a group, but um so one of the things that stuck out, I mean like I don't think they're the best thing ever or anything like that. It makes some music I like sometimes. But um Quincy came out and said his first impression of them were they were the worst musicians in the world, and a lot of people considered them to be the best ever for that genre. No, it's not my perspective. Um, 
I like Nirvana and Foo Fighters the best if we're going rock, but um, you know, like that's just something that's like you know how you said I'll say something blasphemous, like that's just something like yo, come on, dog. <laughs> come on, dog. It, I did read that part, and then in particular, he said Ringo. I think the guy's name is was like. I mean, not the best bat, but bass player. Ranger. So no, it was George Martin. I think he was talking about being a bass player. No, 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 no. Was it Ringo? I think I know Ringo was involved, but I don't know what instrument it was. I think it might have been bass. Because honestly, I can't name a Beatles song. I probably heard it, of course, but I can't name you like, oh, uh, yeah, that. <laughs> so I don't really listen to the Beatles too tough, but um. I think I'm pretty. I'm almost 100 percent sure he said Ringo, and they were trying to, yeah, you know, and he, he say Ringo. Yeah, and he said it was a studio, and I, I thought it was bass. It could have been another instrument, but bass. He was like he was trying to catch the funk, but like they, <laughs> it just wasn't really happening. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> to, to the story, he said Ringo was like, "I right, mate, I'm gonna go get some crumpets and tea," and he <laughs> he left and came back 15 minutes, and while Ringo was gone. Ronnie Varel, a jazz drummer, did what Ringo couldn't do in 15 minutes, what Ringo was trying to do all day. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. If that's true, he probably does have a valid point about them not being that good. But, you know, make a song or two I like. So, hey, that's all I'm going to say about it. Exactly. And then what I, I did see some people say that he mentioned he was kind of shade in Michael Jackson. I'm really interested in hearing what he had to say about Michael. Um, so, um, said Michael was greedy. Um, mm-hmm. let's see, I know one, he was talking about the song Billie Jean being sampled from State of Independence by Donna Summers, and he didn't give her any credit, so he said he was stealer, that um he was stealing from her and not paying her. Then he says, and I quote, greedy man, greedy. Don't stop till you get enough. Greg Filigans, hope I said that right, wrote the C-section. Michael should have given him 10% of the song. Wouldn't do it. Mm. That's what he had to say about him being greedy. And he also says, I used to kill him about the plastic surgery, man. He'd always justify it and say it was because of some disease he had. Bullshit. (laughs) He drops a lot of efforts, too, in here, bro. Yeah, yeah. They they was talking about how he might have dethroned... uh, Samuel Jackson in the gardens, but man, that, yeah, he was wilding out, man. And, and uh, to his, uh, to be fair, some of that stuff may be true. I just think a lot of it, and since it's involving people who can't defend themselves, it's like, come on, bro, like, what we'll be doing here, man? But also, the second thing he said that stuck out to me: do listen to a little bit of Jimi Hendrix, a little bit, and. Like, I don't think it would be true because I really like Chuck Berry. I think Chuck Berry's probably the best African-American to play a guitar. And, like, you know, this guy was bringing colors and whites together. Dang, I feel like I was in the time machine the way I said that. African-Americans <laughs> <laughs> Caucasians together in the 50s through his music. So that just speaks to me how good he was. But, um, like, you know, a lot of people regard – Jimi Hendrix as being the best black man to ever play a guitar or something like that. And he said that he was supposed to record with Jimmy, but Jimmy got scared because his band could outplay Jimmy and Jimmy didn't want to go up there and get shown up. Like, you know how after Renegade, people would say you wouldn't want to get on a verse with him because of whatever. 
Yeah. Which, uh, you know, people say what they want to say about that. I do think M had better verse, but people be talking like Jay's verses, which is doo doo. Exactly. I'm awkward. I box lefty. Come on, bro. Like, come on. He did. I mean, like, you can say he won. You can say Jay won. That's the way I look at it. But, like, you know, it it was like coming from that kind of grounds why they were saying Jimmy. Well, that's why Quincy said Jimmy did not want to play with the guys that Quincy was rocking with. So um, I thought that was interesting too. Yeah, I actually didn't. Either. I didn't get to that part, but I'm not too. Again, I'm not too culture with Chuck Berry or Jimi Hendrix, which I kind of feel bad about because I've always heard about J- Jimi Hendrix and how of a, much of a legend he is. I just for sometimes with me with music, I gotta like hear a little bit, like by accident. And if I like it, then I'll like search more and go deeper with it. But um, I, I don't think I've ever came across a Jimmy Hendrix song. If I have, I wouldn't have recognized it. But um, that's crazy. I th- I think again that may be some truth to that. You know, that may be some truth to him I actually. Yep. I said it might be. Yeah. I was agreeing. Yeah. Like, um, to the I think the whole point of him saying he was scared. I mean, that again, that's we don't know that, but I think there was some truth today. We're supposed to have a recession and for whatever reason stuff happened but um well, see, that's another thing Quincy's very opinionated and like he's to me he comes off as one of those guys like I'm opinionated and like I can believe stuff to be true to a fault but like as seen throughout this show on the most part I do value the opinions of others and will not say mine is definitively right right and I feel like Quincy's not that kind of guy. He's like, dang <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Especially at 84 years old. <laughs> but, That's another thing, too. That boy's spitting dementia bars right now. So, and he came out with something about him dating Ivanka Trump. And I was like, wait, where are you coming from with this, man? <laughs> he said, she has some legs. <laughs> I'm like, yo, how old are you, dog? Like, what? what do you mean? You went out to- yeah. Yeah. That was wild. But, Oh, and um, also he said Tommy Hilfiger used to date his daughter, which is weird to me. I did not know that. <laughs> which I will say, I had a crush on Rashida Jones for like a second, um, who I found out was his daughter a couple years ago. Um, I don't think it was her. Well, it may not have been her, but I I didn't know Rashida Jones. I didn't know that her dad was Quincy. Um, right. And that that kind of threw me off. But I was like, oh, like she's cute. And then I. I was like, oh, okay, I, I I get it now, whatever. But, um, nah, not not anymore. I, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I just yeah. threw that random fact in there. But you had to um came up with something that I thought was pretty dope, and it was basically tying in the the name of the show into uh, you know, something that we should do more often, which is acknowledging the game six. Um. Like you said, it's, it don't have to be a moment or a person. It, it could be almost anything. It's a lifestyle. But, you know, what what, what would you – your you said your game six was going to be for this week. All right, so my game six performance of the week, without a doubt, Nick Foles, backup quarterback, 373 yards in the Super Bowl, three touchdowns passing, did have one interception, but he caught a touchdown pass on fourth down after Tom Brady dropped a pass on, was it third down, right? Yeah. So after the GOAT dropped one, you one up him and catch one. <laughs> you leading the game pretty much the whole time you're in control. Pats go up one, eight minutes left on the clock. 
I just knew he was going to throw a pick, a fumble was going to happen, or New England was going to get the ball back. This guy said, nah, he put his foot down. He stood up. Fourth and one, con- fourth and one conversion to Ertz in that final drive. In that final drive, they were down by one. Jacksonville, Seattle in the Super Bowl a few years back, uh, maybe even Pittsburgh if they play New England now. Their quarterbacks, all I got to do is get a field goal. Nick Foles, no. <laughs> Game six. Game six, Nick Foles. I like it, man. I like it. Um, I'll definitely agree with that. Initially, to stay on the same wavelength, I was going to say the refs. Because <laughs> 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 we, we give the refs so much crap about um, – you know, they're feel you know, them giving favorable calls to the Patriots and everything just seemed like it goes the Patriots way, especially the AFC championship game. Did you see the it was I know it was a picture and it was taken out of context because I saw the actual game. But did you see the picture with the ref? Like fake news. That was it was fake news because he was actually trying to get them to calm down. Um and get them to Yeah, but that was that was hilarious. I thought the picture was funny. <laughs> I still think it's hilarious, but you know the 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 Eagles got a couple questionable calls, including one of the touchdowns. I think in the third quarter, um, with Clements, uh, I think his yeah. name is, or Sim- yeah, Clements, um, like third string running back ran like a wheel route, and it was like three dudes on him, but he caught it in the back of the end zone. And honestly, if I'm being honest, when I look at the video, it looks like he had control and he just moved the ball a little bit, um. But at that point, his left foot was out of bounds. So I guess that's supposed to be incomplete. I don't think it is, personally. But then I saw a picture, a still frame, um, or a still shot, and it looked like the ball was loose and his foot was out of bounds. So that, to me, I, I'm still not sure whether it was incomplete or not. So if they would have gave need the XFL, so none of that will matter. And it will be summer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then I was going to say also that Ertz, that last game winning touchdown, or go-ahead touchdown with Ertz, where he caught it and he went through the – broke the plane, but then he dropped it. I think that was definitively a catch and a touchdown. Some people didn't. But either way, the, both those calls went against the Patriots. I was going to get the game six to the uh, to refs, but no, I have a better game six. And like I said, man, it don't have to be a particular person or a moment or lifestyle. But my game six – but this week goes to the fans and the supporters for the last week's episode and for everybody going forward, man. We we, we have some good numbers for the first episode. Um, I want to thank everybody. You know, we want to thank everybody for, for taking our time out of your day to listen and see what we have to offer. Some people even gave us some positive feedback on what we can do to improve and whatnot. But, we, we you know, we, we that's the game six, man. You guys are definitely supporters. Um, and I can't wait to keep growing, man. This is only the beginning, but um, we definitely shattered any sort of expectation that we had. We didn't even really have much, you know what I'm saying? We just want to do this for the for the fun of it. But definitely a lot of supporters out there. We appreciate it, and that's definitely my game six for the week, man. Oh, yeah, most deaths. And I just want to say thank you to all the people who listened. Um, you know, we gave our projection last week that we'd have 20 listens, but it would be a combined 10 between both Deshaun and myself, and we far exceeded expectations um before we go off the air do want to kind of clarify on some things from 
last week. The first being um um about the XFL and their uh letting people with any kind of criminal background play in the league. Mm-hmm. Um that same so like you know how we were saying Manziel might not be able to play because he's got a DUI. Right. Well, they're one of their tag team champions actually got a DUI that same week, defended mm. his title and retained it that same week. Of course. <laughs> so it's like you can't really listen to what Vince McMahon's saying there. So just thought I'd double down on that, put it out there for everybody to see and just like, you know, just trying to like leave no loose ends. Yeah, for sure. No, I definitely, you know, appreciate that. You know, um, like I know you, we if you could tell already, man. Josh is going to come with the facts, man. Yeah, so you might think what I'm saying is bogus, but hey, I'm based. <laughs> so we definitely appreciate it. Um, yeah, man. But if that's it, man, I, I'm done. You got anything else? Um, quick, I do want to kind of touch on what I was talking about, California. Um. The four states that I know of did research on that are banned. Want to talk about which states are banned and why for the California travel. Mm. Kansas, they can't play games in Kansas because they have a law that allows student religious groups on campuses to limit membership and leadership to those who adhere to the group's sincerely held religious beliefs. Some say the law allows for religious discrimination. Mississippi... They have a law that, quote for quote, allows protections for a person's sincerely held religious belief. Some say the law protects religious discrimination on issues due to gay gay marriage and transgender individuals. Tennessee says it was the same one that I gave last week about being able to not give somebody treatment at your practice. So nailed that one on the head. Um, you can discriminate and not give them treatment at your practice based on your religious beliefs if that comes into question because of their sexuality. Also, the North Carolina one hit that on the head. And, of course, I would. I'm from here. We've been dealing with it. <laughs> we lost a lot of games that year because of that. So a lot of teams wouldn't play Duke. Yeah. Exactly. So I just want to touch on those two things, leave no loose ends. And just to, you know, remind everybody, that's in regards to when UCLA went to China, you know, earlier this, uh, a couple months ago, um, and that incident when uh, LiAngelo Ball happened and he got caught stealing and some other players too, um, Cody Riley, and I can't forget the other guys, I can't remember the other guy's name, but they went to China of all places <laughs> to, you know, for an exhibition game, but, you know, certain restrictions with, within the states in itself, which is pretty hypocritical. Yeah, and um, I did kind of want to also touch on some of the laws that I said. China does not give people, like, you know, that are basic human rights. So, um, you know how certain countries regulate health care yeah. different ways. Um, in China, their health care is relegated in such a way that you need a ticket, like as if you were – Buying a ticket to go see who you like, Jay-Z? Yep. 
if you wanted to go see your doctor in China, you would have to buy a ticket to go see your doctor in China. Uh-huh. Um, also, nobody technically owns the land that they live on. Oh, wow. It's, it's owned by the state because um, they're communist society. Also, pornography in China outlawed. It is against the law. Like, it's like cocaine over there. <laughs> <laughs> Take that for what you might quite literally might be like cocaine. But go ahead. Um, let's see. I want to pick one more. Um, well, the last one I just say is um, it's not really a law, but their food choices. Well, not their food choices, but you know how we have laws as to like there can only be this much bad stuff in the grains from your wheat field and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, their regulations are way less strict, so the food is way less quality over there. Uh, so, yeah. see, just want to kind of double down on some of the things I was saying about China. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I always thought that conversation was interesting because like you said just point out the hypocrisy of the NCAA 